0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, it's the Kill by Kill podcast, Friday the 13th, the final chapter edition. I tried to sound scary, but I think it just sounded like I had a frog in my throat. Anyways, hi! It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake, or as close to it as we can possibly get. At least it's rainy here in Southern California, so the mood is right. Welcome to the Kill by Kill podcast. If this is your first time, or you're just returning to us after a long lull, uh, let's remind you of our mission statement. We're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. So we're going to unpack all the gory details of every hack, slash, and decapitation in the hopes that... A character's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And to help me walk through the horribly dark and scary forest that is Crystal Lake, there's only one person really meant for the job, and that is the one and only... Gina Radcliffe, how you doing, Gina?
1: Happy New Year, Patrick.
0: Happy New Year to you, Gina. It's it's a whole different number at the end of our checks.
1: I hope that by the time this, uh, this goes live, no major beloved celebrities have died.
0: Oh, uh, maybe, you know, right before the end of the year, something really horrible has happened. There, there seems to be a lot of people jumping ship, and I frankly don't blame them. You know what, Gina? We're not left alone to sort of make our way through this terrifying fright feature why we've brought a special guest along i'd like to introduce the world to one and only amy pascal she is the author of joss whedon a biography which has a really cool cover if you live in france and i know you live in france one person who downloads our podcast in france and she has a podcast of her own it's entitled ladies love paul rudd it's amy pascal how you doing amy
2: i'm doing very very well um although also to project into the future i'm not completely sure we're not in the beginning of the apocalypse but i'm gonna be hopeful
0: no one hopeful. ever knows if you're at the beginning of the apocalypse it becomes rather apparent right around the middle and That's
2: it a-
1: becomes very depressing at the end <laughs>
2: That's that is a really excellent
1: point. Well, when you think yeah. about it, I mean, I mean, you're Patrick, you're in California, and Amy and I are both in the mm-hmm. New York area, so mm-hmm. we're all we're all fucked. I mean, we're just oh yeah, you know, it's you know, you're going, I mean, and you're like Los An- you're in Los Angeles, which is probably the the second most heathenistic city in America besides New York City. So we're all we're all doomed. It's well, I would dude, say, Las Vegas. I, I don't even have to
0: wear a shirt most of the time. <laughs> what about las vegas
2: i would think las vegas is probably the most hedonistic then a tie between new york and la but if you don't have to wear a shirt most of the time you are definitely much more hedonistic compared to the outfits that everybody is currently wearing in our like sub-zero temperature going on right now
0: i just refuse to do laundry most of the time and i have to resort to shirtlessness which is fine because as we discussed in last episode uh, my body is beautiful, and I don't mind sharing it with everyone, so they can see what is possible for them to attain if they just dedicate themselves the way I have. Wow! Which, which, if anyone has actually ever seen me, would know that 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 is a terrible idea.
2: I am looking yeah. forward to your calendar. Both of you, the Kill by Kill <laughs> podcast host calendar. And I'm assuming that you will be in various states of murder or undress because that really is the theme of these movies. So yeah. you know, I'm Well we have think-
1: to we have to turn it on, on the head so how we have to have you know Patrick running away in the high heels while I'm yeah. chasing after him with the with the axe and you know, the falling down holding his hand over his face and You know, we just, you know, we got to go, we got to work against stereotypes here.
2: Oh, oh, exactly. But I think that Patrick, well, he's already explained that he's topless most of the time. So he'll be running away topless in high heels and possibly like bikini bottoms because he's probably just come out of the water. And, you know, you're chasing him to murder him in an assortment of ways. And let me just tell you again, really looking forward to that. I want to have a signed copy. I, you know, ideally maybe July like maybe like a 16 month calendar that starts in the middle of the year i'm just putting oh, that Oh sure there.
0: well there's a part of the process that's going to take a little bit longer than most because it's lenticular so that when you shift from the left to the right you kind of see movement <laughs> that way you really get the most jiggle for your money and- you gotta give people what they want. This, uh, That's what it comes down to.
2: Uh, I I thought I was excited, and now I'm like six thousand times more excited. I didn't even know I could get jiggle, and now that and I know I can get jiggle, oh my god, my! Lo-
0: I'm a marketing professional. You I'm that a marketing professional
2: that you are, and I'm feeling a little bit better about this apocalypse now because at least I know <laughs> that I'm gonna get
1: a jiggle calendar, and nothing is better than a jiggle calendar, my friend. I, I, You're I gonna count
0: so- down in style. <laughs>
1: I'm just so glad that we're spending the first few minutes of the show objectifying Patrick's body.
0: <laughs> uh, I I had it coming. I think everyone can agree. I've had it coming. You, All right. Well, yes. <laughs> let's let, let's focus down focus on the down. true topic at hand, which is not my luscious breasts as much as <laughs> everyone would like to discuss them. But honestly, we're here to talk about Friday the 13th, the final <laughs> chapter. So let's talk about the franchise in general with you, Amy, very quickly. We, we like to ask our guests when they come on, what was your first exposure to Friday the 13th?
2: Uh, my birthday is on the 13th, and I always get kind of a weird thrill when it's on Friday. And that's about the amount of exposure. I know that there is a character that goes around in a mask. But I don't Mm -hmm. watch horror movies, and I actually, this is the first Friday the 13th movie I've ever seen, and I think it goes really well hand in hand, because Gina will be on an upcoming episode of Ladies Love Paul Rudd, where we discuss his lead role in Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yes, six, which was the first Halloween movie I'd ever seen. So I think these two pair really well, because they're, pretty awful and <laughs> I watched both of them the entire time going I don't understand how are these movies so popular like why are people so excited about them except this one was uh, so Halloween had really pretty Paul Rudd this one was just entertaining in a very 80s sort of way um and mm-hmm. you know as I've heard uh, you all discuss Uh, Crispin Glover as well like he is very very engaging but yeah as I watched this I had so many questions that I was excited to ask you all one of which is is there a running train theme
1: in the Friday the 13th movies like a train theme like oh well, there was the in a uh, part two. There was like a like a train museum in the in no, the...
0: That's part three. A oh, part three, the, three,
1: the... three. Right, the train, yeah. the train museum in the in the in like a crappy convenience store. I mean, if there is, I don't think it's intentional. But but Could th- I, I I think it's just because it maybe sort of like a just a typical backwoods sort of small town symbol. So you would think of trains like other side of the train tracks. I'm completely. Shooting in the dark with that, but well, I, this is what I've noticed. Every time uh there was supposed to be a creepy scene,
2: whether I'm assuming it meant that Jason um it's Jason, right? Yes, Jason mm-hmm. is in the background or he's about to kill somebody, you would hear choo, 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 choo. Oh no, that's <laughs> a wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. wait a second. <laughs> time out. Are you telling me? They, you believe that the kill, kill, kill,
2: kill. Oh wait, it was kill. That's what it was. Is a
0: choo choo train?
2: Yes. I thought he was. I mean, I knew it was someone saying it. I didn't know it was kill, 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 kill the entire time. I thought it was choo 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 choo.
0: Well, that that would. That would be a train thing. Exactly. You're, you're right.
2: That's why I was like, okay, if, was he obsessed with trains as a young child? Is that why he goes after people and killing them going, choo, 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 choo?
0: Oh, my God. Oh, I, you know what? I don't know if any other revelation is ever going to break into if the has. I feel unmoored. Like, I don't know where I belong. I know my feet are on the ground, but I don't feel like I'm connected to the Earth.
1: Gina? Grab, grab onto his ankles before he f- floats off into orbit. Now, to be fair, when I was a kid, I had a classmate who said, Oh, well, that's supposed to be his breathing. And I'm like his breathing does he have something caught in his throat yeah because that's, that's <laughs> that doesn't make any sense either and and it's,
0: it's like he's darth vader <laughs> with a stutter yeah.
1: <laughs> but well, yeah that's i'm now never going to be able to watch the movies anymore without thinking up oh, there's a 9 30 train <laughs> going by to, to new brunswick can I just say the shock that you guys had in
2: learning that I thought it was saying chew is the exact shock that I felt when you were like what do you mean the kill 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 because I never once heard kill 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 I thought he was saying chew 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 and that he had like some sort of weird train obsession and that like when he went to kill people he was like there was some train association he made and that's why he was like kind of doing that quietly <laughs> choo 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 Choo, choo, choo. Well, and I was, um, I had uh, mentioned to uh, Patrick briefly before we started recording that I had a very big misunderstanding about the, the kills we were going to discuss, and I don't know if I should bring it up now and just kind of get all of my ridiculousness out of the way so you know who you're dealing with, or I should just wait till we discuss Ted.
0: I mean, why don't we start off with Ted? Ted is the first person we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. so... You know, people are in the movie for a while at this point. Yes. We're we're down to the last sort of third of the movie. And to catch everyone up with who is left alive at this moment in time, let's talk about it ever so briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, as we like to do, those left alive include Tommy Jarvis, who looks like he should be selling Oval Team full time. <laughs> and then we have Trish Jarvis, who's both allergic to pants and addicted to fruit juice. And... <laughs> finally last but not least is rob who's a shitty monster hunter and to me appears to be the brawny man's less successful still living at home with his parents sort of younger brother (laughs) and that's pretty much it with the exception of who we're talking about today and number one up to bat is ted who uh, gina ever so briefly i was wondering if is Ted the version of the trickster character that we found a, a thread through in the other films? He he's...
1: he was at the beginning, and then definitely mellowed out after he uh, after he you know, smoked a little bit of the the Marowita. He he, he <laughs> but Other than giggling non-stopping, most of his dialogue after the first forty five minutes is ha ha he 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 ha 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 he he he. Makes some sort of remark about the the old timey nudie movie he's watching. And he, yeah. I mean, like I said, he started out as really obnoxious and like the kind of you know the guy who wants to think he's a player, but of course he really isn't because he's traveling with his fucking teddy bear. Oh um, God! And oh, God. and using the teddy bear as a prop to to try to get women to make out with him. To absolutely no one's surprise, this does not work. I, I am curious if it has ever worked for him.
0: It's so odd, as far as a come on line. To say, you see this inanimate object that I happen to share a name with? Make out with it for a little while. <laughs> then talk to me about it. I don't... That is not really a panty dropper. Now, I, I'm i not an expert because I have no panties to drop. I also don't have a shirt to take <laughs> off.
2: <laughs> well, I, I agree. I thought the whole thing was so annoyingly creepy. It seemed, you know, that basically Ted seemed to be in the beginning a character, or at least throughout most of it, character that like found something that he thought was really funny or really pointed. So you've got like the dead fuck line that was constantly used. Then it became the teddy bear line that was constantly used. And I From the moment he showed up, I realized, I knew I knew him from somewhere, and I did confirm that he's the main character in The Last American Virgin.
1: Yes, I brought this up before. The most depressing... Yeah. Sex comedy of all time.
2: Exactly. And I and the only reason I remember this is because I adored Diane Franklin from Better Off Dead and then Bill and Mm Ted, and she was in this. So I kind of I feel bad for the actor, but as soon as I realized that he was in it, I was like, oh, he's not getting any play. The part of which where I had a um confusion, I would say, is you had, you know, told me the characters that we were going to discuss and um, I somehow misread that uh, was it Doug, the prettiest man alive or too pretty to exist, something like that. I thought you were referring to Ted is this person. <laughs> and I, again, along with not understanding the choo-choo-choo, I kept watching this the whole time going, why does Patrick and Gina think he's so attractive?
0: That party is, and we've talked about it. Quite a few times because Mm -hmm. it's almost the centerpiece of the film. It's the spoke that everything spins around. He is such a sullen son of a bitch. Just a real ass in -hmm. the middle of the party. When he finally gets sort of rejected multiple times and he's just like lighting matches on a couch.
2: Yeah. At
0: what point do you step and go, can you knock that the fuck off? That is also not a, hey, come talk to me. I have a wonderful way about me, sort of. Yeah, but you Entree. know
1: what I I thought that was almost realistic because everybody certainly in heist, in parties you go to from age seventeen to your early twenties, there's always someone there that is sulking about something. Either they're they're they've just broken up with somebody or the person they like has decided to go out with someone else. And I know in my case, I always had it was always the same guy. He would go out and sit on the front lawn. Just sit there you know just like he was like he was meditating and you know eventually he would get what he wanted which is everybody coming out there and saying you're right dude you're right man what's going on man common misconception that you know, boys don't enjoy attention no they like attention and, they, and sometimes they will do things like just randomly light matches in the middle of a of a party in, in some stranger's house so actually i thought that fairly accurate
0: so there's a scene in which uh jimmy uh, hunts down ted in the kitchen and he is openly complaining that he's getting nowhere with either of the twins and then states to ted it's it's no fair like you're you got the hot one and (laughs) can you tell the difference between the non-hot twin and the hot twin no i mean they have different pants on but they're both braless (laughs) they're they both seem like they're going to kill everyone in that house and just sort of get away with it and i can't tell them apart except for the shade of the pants and then ted pulls this oh you're a dead fuck thing where he sticks his whole hand out through the fly of his pants
2: it's funny the idea that there probably are supposed to be 18 but he just always remind me of like a 15 year old and mm-hmm. all of his actions seemed very much like what a 15 year old boy would find to be hilarious None of which actually were.
0: So what, this brings us back to a question we ask. Uh, well, we had, we didn't really have to ask it in the first two films because what brought everyone together was a summer camp. Mm-hmm. And the first one, they were running a summer camp. And the second one, they were training to become camp counselors. In the third film, and now the fourth, we have a collection of people going off to a cabin. But I don't know what draws these groups together because they are... A very odd dynamic where where Doug and and Paul are, are somewhat older. Paul's kind of an ass, but that's his own deal. But then you have Jimmy and Ted, who just feel like whose younger brothers are they? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I I mentioned um, I think in the episode for the uh, the opening of this that they don't even talk to them until like more than it's it's almost like they're not there. I don't think yeah. at any point it does. Although he doesn't do talk a lot anyway, but I don't think Doug ever actually addresses them at any point.
2: Yeah, Crispin Glover doesn't really hit on the girls at all. Like, he's still concerned with, what BJ Betty, whereas Teddy is, like, basically, like, swinging it and hoping that somebody is, like, gonna <laughs> look and be vaguely intrigued. Like, because no one's gonna <laughs> jump on it, but, like, maybe be like, all right, I'll give you a poll or something. I
1: don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know what? That would be the the, the highlight of his sexual experience at that point. Yeah. Well, yeah. I
0: wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Because he's coming from a state of ignorance. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why. Ted seems most likely to claim that his girlfriend actually lives in Canada. That's why you've never met her. Oh,
1: totally. Totally. Yes.
0: And... So he's coming from this sort of like experience that he's heard secondhand. the The piece of advice is you never want to fail. You never want to fail or look like a fool in front of the same girl over and over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. just keep trying with different ones, and eventually someone will be stupid enough to say yes. And, like, that's not the worst thing because at least someone says not for me. And you're like, okay, on to the next one. You're not being a pest. Yeah. There's that. But it I don't feel like it comes from a sense of authority. It almost feels like this is what he's been told by somebody else.
2: I think it does go back to, I do wonder if there was a scene where, you know, they are somebody's younger brother or, like, Teddy is somebody's younger brother. And there, and he dragged his friend Jimmy along or whatnot. And we've missed out because that would make a whole
1: lot more sense. So So basically he's an awkward teenage boy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. There is only one incident that I can directly think of that is one of the older group speaking directly to Ted. And that is, before Sarah heads upstairs, and and we will discuss that conversation between Sarah and Doug at length, because there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) (laughs) But after she heads upstairs, and after she calls Ted, Teddy Bear, Ted looks behind him at at Doug, and Doug goes, "Uh, Don't start! Like, he's seen Doug hook up with multiple women, and I wonder if they're trying to intone that... He that Ted is Doug's younger brother. That I would believe. I, hmm. I would really love to see their parents, because that <laughs> would a stark difference in genetic material between the two. <laughs> not to dis, not to disparage one over the other, but oh my God, there could not be two more dissimilar individuals in terms of oh those two are related. Um, I would need to see the birth certificate on that. <laughs> but that's the only the only time I can really think about it. Or People turn around during the the honorary Steve Miner butt shot when they're walking to the lake. And Ted goes, oh, that's a real dead fuck move at the top of his lungs. (laughs) Otherwise, they're just shunned like the Amish. They just hang in the back. They sit in the back. They trail behind. And the less anyone has to interact with them, the better. They're hangers on until the twins arrive. And then the, the twins set off the fuse of them battling one another out for who's going to actually get their penis touched by one of these <laughs> it, one of these twins and if it wasn't for Tina's incredible need to just get a penis
3: <laughs> at
0: some point I'm not entirely sure Jimmy would be getting it but you know but also Jimmy's like peaches and cream at this point like he's That's about the most 80s boy attractive that Crispin ever was. Oh, he is so so
2: pretty in this. So pretty.
0: His hair is super flouncy. Mm -hmm. It just stands off his head (laughs) in such a way. (laughs) Tina Fey once described Justin Bieber as his hair just knows what it wants to do. (laughs) I feel that's a lot of what's happening when Chrisman's head. So let's move along on Ted because oh boy, we could uh, we could dig into him all day. But I feel like we've exhausted a lot of his territory. Unless Amy, you, you have another question?
2: No, me. I I would say the one thing that I I actually well two things that I noted um, one in reading up on this the actor apparently decided to go method. And if you saw this part and decided since Ted was getting stoned in the scene right before he gets killed, he was going to get stoned in the scene right before he got killed. And they had a very difficult time because he, A could not focus and B became very paranoid, which is great when you're on the set of a horror film. So (laughs) uh, it took a while, or I guess, I don't know if it took a while, but it was problematic filming that. But I think that there is, there's actually a moment right. He's at you know he's at the screen and it's before he um, gets stabbed and he just kind of turns because he hears a noise and he's and it's he you know he's calling out but there's this really brief moment and it's just this very real moment like almost like the sense of pathos that is lacking in his performance elsewhere. But I I actually felt for him. I felt like wow like they managed to make him feel like a real person right before he got killed and that might be like the most impressive thing about ted in the entire well,
1: film well i think he i think he that was the moment he figured out that everybody was gone yeah <laughs> and then that and that's just kind of shitty yes. i mean i mean don't no one wants to be at the party and just like you know laughing it up and look around oh everybody's left all right well it's just me sitting here now so it's like really
2: sad in in a in a palpable way that he fully acknowledges that he is alone, and then he gets killed, and he you know again like the last American version like ends the movie as a virgin.
0: In talking about Ted's death, we've got him up to this movie screen where he's projected this stag film, and this is part of where I think Gina had once described Jason's superpower as knowing everyone's fuck style. <laughs> He sort of use <laughs> he uses that against them. Okay, and here I think there's a variation of that in that he knows that Teddy is so desperate to be near a woman that he will paw at projected breasts <laughs> if no breasts are near him, which is exactly what he does. And then the film ends. He stares into the blazing white hot light of the projector bulb mm-hmm. for no particular reason. For 45 seconds Mm. and then jason stabs him through the movie screen into the back of his head with a kitchen knife which is you know as lucky as alice was in the first film to get mrs vorhees in one shot he now can see through things Mm.
3: later on he's
0: going to be able to see through a fucking door (laughs) a couple episodes ago the same character who drowned and supposedly died by drowning because he couldn't swim. <laughs> just a couple kills ago, swam like a fucking torpedo out into the middle of lake and started kicking like a water polo Olympian. So he could stab someone up through a raft and then kicked it back to the other side. He has become a superhero at this point. It's like he's one of the characters in Fast and the Furious. They've translated... From, wow, that guy is full of muscles, to, oh, you can fly across two lengths of a freeway, catch somebody, and land on a windshield and go, whew, that was a close one. <laughs> he <laughs> is now part of the family. Yeah, he and, is a Fast and the Furious character.
1: And, and quite possibly also a ninja, because mm. he, he is... He is going upstairs, he's going downstairs, he's going outside the house, he's going around the house, he's throwing people out the window, he's smashing people's heads against walls, and nobody hears him. And it's like and it's like, oh well, she has a hairdryer going on. That's why she didn't hear anything. Oh well, Ted is listening is watching a movie. You're not gonna hear somebody flying out of a window and landing on top of a car.
0: Unfortunately that puts Ted in the ground, at least for our discussions, but he'll live forever. In the Friday the 13th universe, R.I.P.D. Ted, Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Well, hello there, killers. Uh, We're taking a break in the action to remind you about all the great podcasts that are available to you right now at the Ear Trumpet Audio Network. Like the songs that saved your life. Now, we've talked about Gina's episode, but I recently recorded one where I had the great pleasure of talking about my extensive hip-hop dance career And what a gigantic, insufferable nerd I was in high school and probably a lot longer than that. Anyways, check that out today. It's the songs that saved your life, but that's not the only great show over at the Ear Trumpet Audio Network. Uh, Also, check out Pet Cinematary, Ladies Who Library, Life Mark, The Realist, Taxes, and Tater Tots. Please don't send me to Outer Space, and many more are on the way. All of them are available at eartrumpetaudio.com or wherever you download podcasts. We'd also like to thank the killers who've been chatting with us on Twitter, podcasts like Rogue Riffers and Halloweekly, Bloody Popcorn, That Horrible Woman, and the Excessively Diverted Podcasts. We've all been having great back and forth, and they've been sending out love and talking about stuff on the show. And it's a great conversation. Even accounts like All Hollow Haunts and at uh, Valken (laughs) I don't know how to pronounce it, but every week that person has something to say about the show. And it's a great conversation. Please be a part of it. We're at Kill by Kill Pod on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear what you have to say. And now, the body count continues. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Okay, so let's move on to our next two, and we get multiple fuck couples in this mm. particular episode. Probably why Friday the 13th Part 4 is perhaps the, the best of all the Fridays. Uh, you get <laughs> M- more mul- of everything.
1: Multiple couples and multiple couples who are having sex for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's ah. got everything. Which is which is what the most implausible part of this whole movie was for me. Not Jason being able to throw an axe through a door and hit his victim with perfect aim. Um <laughs> Not Ted being able to hear the screams of his best friend in the room next door as he gets a hatchet to his face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, um, the moment where I most thought, come on, was the fact that it was Sarah's first time. So they're they're having sex in a shower while standing up.
0: I, I, I am totally <laughs> with you, Radcliffe. I'm telling you right now. There is no way that a girl who refused to skinny dip, who was just aghast that Samantha was having sex with anybody, is then like, okay, you know what? I've decided this is something I need to get past. You're an incredibly beautiful human being, Doug, and you seem very nice and kind. Maybe this is the perfect time to do this. Let's have sex. And Doug's like, you're right let's get in the shower now you put your leg over here now don't if we don't want to use any soap because things will get slippery talking about things that will get slippery what won't your vagina because water is coming down on us and there's nothing worse for lubricant than shower water i'm telling you right now sex in the shower is one of those things that sounds super awesome and then you're like, yeah, but my calves are beginning to hurt because I have to be on my tiptoes to be anywhere near you to make this work. That's not fun. It just isn't, and it shouldn't be anyone's first time.
1: I mean, that's that, that's basically like trying to lo- use Photoshop when you haven't even used MS Paint yet. That, <laughs> that's that's like that is way advanced technique (laughs) well
2: but here's the thing and i and i love i love that analogy but my question is that if sarah hasn't had sex at all maybe she died a virgin maybe they didn't actually manage to have proper sex and she just didn't know that because she's never had sex before possible it
0: is distinctly possible the wikia And everyone's favorite part of our podcast is when we learn a new piece of disinformation from the Wikia on Friday the 13th. They claim that Doug and Sarah are washing up before they're going to have sex. So they're soaping up each other's naked bodies (laughs) in the shower and then they're going to dry off. And go have sex in the bunk as planned. I mean, hey, they've been infested with crystal lake water. If that's what she wants, that's what she wants.
2: They've never even kissed before, have they?
0: Not that we've seen. I mean them kissing in the shower is the first time we see them make intimate contact.
2: Um, that sounds very clinical. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> So I I don't think it's the most crazy and plausible concept that they are have decided to shower because if she Is a virgin. They. This is the first time they've even kissed, and she's like you said, Gina. She's gonna jump right into shower sex. Like it could be a thing where he's like, "All right," like, and and she's she's so skeevy about everything that I can see her just needing a little bit of like you know foreplay that is just tender kisses in the shower before she goes off into the bottom bunk and
1: gets bunked or whatever. Get bunked. Get bunked. There's your hashtag. <laughs> it's always, it's always it's always it's always a special moment when our when our guests come up with a hashtag. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs>
1: um
0: it is entirely possible that uh this might be her first time even being naked in front of yes! another a, a, a person that she wants to be sexual with. So the show- even then the shower is this very elaborate mechanism That you don't necessarily need, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it it gets them in a separate room for all the other deaths. They can't hear someone being dragged out a second-story window and flung onto the top of a station wagon. They can't hear Jimmy being stabbed in the hand with a corkscrew and chopped in the face with a meat cleaver. So, okay. All right. But to me... I don't know. It's one of those jetpacks flying cars situation that does not feel believable.
2: I think for a girl who is so concerned with reputations, I can see her being a little bit hesitant, you know? And and again, like this is the 80s and we're in a big slut shamey time. I can see her being nervous and being like, let's just make out here for a little while. So
0: We've seen her model her panty and bra set that she's decided to lose her virginity in (laughs) In the scene previous to this. So she's decided, like, here's my gut up that I'm going to use to seduce this person who's very amenable to having sex with me. Alright, fine. This is how she wants to present herself. That is that is that is her druthers. But then she takes all that off and then they hop in the shower.
1: <laughs> Or 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 does she put it back on after the shower? Because she seems like she might really not know what she's doing. Yeah, oh, she
0: does not know what she's doing.
1: I mean, for one thing, she she takes she wraps a towel around herself while she's still standing in the shower.
0: Yeah, that's
1: that crazy. Not, which is not practical at all. <laughs> no, the
0: towel would be completely wet. Like, there's exactly. no point to this. <sighs> oh, so okay. I could
1: t- I could totally see her taking her clothes off, taking the shower, then putting underwear back on. <laughs> Oh yeah But she never
0: gets the chance to really do that Because Doug serenades her with the world's weirdest fucking song And then she's like Okay I'm gonna put on this loud device near my ears Keep singing
2: (laughs) And And I looked it up, apparently it's a big band song that was done by, like, uh, Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey. What the fuck is happening (laughs) in this cabin? Did they go back in time? Between the
0: records and this, that that, that
1: makes no fucking sense. I agree! I agree. We we talked about that in the last episode, how they they seem to have driven through some sort of rip in the time space continuum <laughs> where there's only old music there's these old ass nudie films and now and then they're they're slow dancing to like 1930s you dance hall music that's a very you're right it's almost like a weird sort of it follows thing <laughs> where, <laughs> where the 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 clothes and the and the cars are all very modern but they they're in this sort of you know 1930s depression era in world
0: I know it's like this cabin is built on top of a VFW hall that <laughs> died and was <laughs> buried there. It's just like they're being haunted. It's okay. Let's let's back this up here because while we've talked about them maybe in passing here and there, they're due for their own examination. We meet Doug and Sarah very early on. They're in the station wagon of Doom on their way up to the cabin. They pass Mrs. Voorhees inexplicably clean tombstone and Sarah looks out the window at it like it's going to jump up and transform into a ghost it's she looks at it like oh my god do you see that yeah it's one tombstone amongst the other tombstones i agree it's weird that it has a roadside view but that's kind of an east coast thing where like graveyards are just like there and then yeah. are gone.
1: Yeah, oh, they, yeah. Are, they, are, they are totally... That is very accurate, really, especially in rural New Jersey where they will just be a graveyard right on the side of the road. I pass two regularly every day. I'm so used to that. Even
2: really... And then if I go even a little bit further out, there's very small ones that are just on, off on the side of the road, which is, you know, about an hour north of New York City. So that part didn't faze me whatsoever because that just seems perfectly normal to me.
1: It's just funny that Sarah is very much introduced and built up to be this very... Uh, naive sort of innocent young woman that it's ultimately surprised that she does not actually turn out to be the final girl because mm-hmm. she she seems like they picked her up from a convent and, and <laughs> you know on their, on their way to the uh, to the cabin
0: at one point Gina she is frightened by a branch <laughs> that's, that's how on edge she is with the idea of you know being in the same place and time as boys and then <laughs> Everyone goes to go swimming, and I once again want to point out Doug's outfit. Doug is wearing a blue striped polo shirt tucked into rolled up sweatsuit material micro shorts.
2: That's I, hot. that's really sexy. I don't well, know what you're talking about, Patrick.
0: Well, that's the thing. If he was walking around Brooklyn right now, he'd be getting play. But it seems <laughs> very odd that no one goes, don't walk out of the house like that. That's super weird. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how many NBC shows you are on. Take that
1: fucking outfit off. <laughs> I, look i realize that you are basically the poor man's rob Lowe here but but you you cannot be seen in public in that in that booty short get up
0: they share a lot of common in terms of their they both have impossible bone structure but rob Lowe at the very least has a light behind his eyes i mean even at his most shallow there was some sort of spark that drew you to him Whereas the actor, Peter Barton, who, who played Doug, he seems like an empty vessel. And I know he's filled with blood being pumped by a heart, but I'm not super convinced.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not. I mean, I, I've been watching this, rewatching this movie in, in, uh, in bits and pieces, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I never remember that his character has any dialogue. He barely mm. speaks. Like every every scene that he talks in, I'm thinking I think that's the first time I've heard him speak. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's that's what happens when you are a, a incredibly good looking person. You don't feel the need to have to learn how to conversate or show there's anything going on behind your your incredible good looks. But yeah, I mean he's very, very charisma free. And
0: um, while we're at the lake, uh Samantha swims up to Sarah who's on a dock. Samantha is nude in the water and she <laughs> sidles up to it and says the following Come on, Sarah, let's see what you got. Uh come on. Strip and dip. strip and dip dip sounds like an appetizer at buffalo wild wings (laughs) rather than a command to a friend
2: however it's a command i think i want to start throwing at all of my friends just to see if anybody falls for it like hey strip and dip
0: Come on, strip Strip and dip. dip. Exactly. She says it so proper, too. I don't know if it's ADR or what. Come on, Sarah, strip and dip. (laughs) Where did that Delaware accent come from all of a
2: sudden? (laughs) It reminds me when uh, over the summer I was at... or last year I was visiting my, my cousins in London, and their little girls, every time they would say my name was Amy. And it cracked me up to no end. So it kind of reminds me of, like, Sarah. Now, if a seven-year-old said to me,
1: Amy, time to strip and dip, <laughs> that would have been creepy. But, yeah. Yeah, between between um Samantha trying to get Sarah to to go skinny dipping and uh ted worrying about jimmy's virginity These, this is a group of friends that has a lot invested in each other's nudity <laughs> yes. and that's weird to me because i i don't actually care about my friends sex lives that much i mean if, if you're getting any god bless you i'm happy for you if you're not i mean that's fine too i I, i'm not going to make it my mission to to get you laid i'm not going to tell you why you're not getting laid i'm not going to make suggestions about how you can get laid i i am not going to make you get naked in front of me that is that is that that's for certain i mean if you want to we'll have to have a talk about that but i'm certainly (laughs) i i'm certainly not going to demand that you strip nude in my presence and i just i again this is something you only really see in movies. I think it's particularly an 80s thing, too. Right. I think, well, I think it changed when it occurred to a lot of people that it was not at all as abnormal as we were led to believe to graduate high school while still being a virgin. I mean, even if you think about like 90210, there's a whole...
2: Part, especially in the first season, when Brendan and Dylan are dating, and it's when is she going to lose her virginity, and when is she going to lose her virginity, and oh my god, you know Dylan has obviously had sex, and you know all these other characters, and that is a big pressure filled thing that which does not really come up on teen TV now so it's like even going back to Sarah you know bringing the outfit that she's going to lose her virginity in and modeling that like that is such a thing that would be kind of in these movies at this point it was so much in the culture at the time that I am not terribly surprised by it
0: so let's get to both Doug and and Sarah's death as much as I want to talk about their conversation on the couch where she (laughs) tricks him into agreeing to have sex with her (laughs) I'm going to go up to bed. Are you tired? No. No. (laughs) Do you mind sleeping in the bottom bunk? No. Why? Are you going to sleep in the top one? No. Did you just make me agree to have sex with you? (laughs) It's a a real... I mean, how long was she working on that, that algebra question? Like, say... My vagina is available tonight. And Doug be like, <laughs> okay, I'm
2: there. Well, Gina, I mean, that was in the handbook that all girls got in high school, that if you want to have sex, you have to trick a boy into it through the bottom slash top bunk dilemma. And <laughs> a lot of girls went that route. There were other options that you could go with, but, I, I mean, I know I certainly tried out the, the bottom top bunk dilemma question. Um, I guess you didn't get the same pamphlet, uh, Patrick?
0: I always thought you had to write it on the back of the Constitution, and then Nicolas Cage has to find it, and then solve, find, find an ancient relic, and then somehow you get to have sex with somebody. Or at least that's how it felt to me.
1: Yeah, whatever whatever you do, you did not actually say, hey, let's have sex. Oh, yeah, know, No! No! <laughs> That you, know, you did not, you did not use any vernacular that even remotely Mm-mm. could be interpreted as "I would like to have sex with you this evening."
0: I'm sorry, I'm I'm very busy fanning myself.
1: Because I feel <laughs> an onset of the vapors.
0: When we last left our inexplicably bathing duo, uh, Sarah's mm-hmm. decided to go off and reapply her panty and bra set, mm-hmm. and Doug is singing the world's weirdest fucking oldies tune to mm-hmm. himself. Off key, he then notices somebody through the smoky glass, assumes that it is Paul, and immediately makes a gay joke. Now we know we're in the 80s, kids. Because (laughs) nothing says 80s quite like Inexplicable Gay Joke.
2: And And the inexplicable gay joke also kind of seemed like he would have been happy for Paul to come into the shower with him.
0: I think I'm wondering if these two really do have a relationship. I want to believe it, to be honest with you. Yeah. i much rather buy Paul and Doug as a couple than I do Paul and Samantha. Yeah. Oh my God. There's no way Paul with his fucking jerkwad hat... And three stooges come on
3: <laughs>
2: is
0: pulling down Samantha. <laughs> Not with that station wagon as his method of transportation. No. Whereas, do I believe Doug and Paul are a side piece together? Yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't put it past them. And God bless them if they are. I mean, Doug is just gorgeous. He's so
1: <laughs> Really, is Paul is Paul, good, is Paul good enough for Doug too? I mean, when you think about it,
0: I don't think Paul is good enough for. Well, maybe Paul and Ted could pull something off together.
1: <laughs> oh, I bet they could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Listen, think it I was think, that.
0: Uh, it was that one time it was raining. They were both in the <laughs> station wagon, and things got out of hand like it happens.
2: I know. I legitimately. Thought that he would have been very, very happy if Paul had come into the shower as well, because you know, especially if he was just in the shower. Samantha was like, "Hmm, yeah, she just wants me to make out, but I just want some like good, hard bunking, you know, like I want to get bunked really hard, and Paul is the, the one who's gonna do it in the shower. Like it's probably gonna work a little bit better."
0: I almost feel like Doug is a merman. And the only way he can have sexual <laughs> contact is to be in the water, like he's the man from Atlantis or something like that. I don't know. It's he's a he's a question wrapped in a mystery within an enigma. I,
2: I just I love the tone of voice that you get every time you talk about Doug because it really <laughs> is just so
1: you are so charmed and smitten by him, and it's adorable. That's okay. I just melt. He, he, yeah, I mean it's it's fine because we oh, me need other female guests have just been like Ah, Crispin Glover. <laughs> I think there's like I'm a cheap I'm
0: allowed visit. to like who I like.
1: No, no, you should.
2: I just like I said. I, it, you just your voice softens a little. There's no mocking. I pre- I
1: sincerely appreciate your uh, your adoration.
0: I appreciate I, I, great beauty.
1: I think that uh, you know they really needed to have. Uh, Doug and Jimmy get into a sort of cheekbone off, because man, those are some chisel jaws and chiseled cheekbones. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of uh, uh, cheekbones, uh, Doug gets his smashed uh, one by yes. uh, Jason's hand and the other into the tile wall. This is crazy. He's like the f- Jason Voorhees is like the fucking Hulk at this point.
1: Yeah, this is that's a, this is a good death. This is this is probably <laughs> the. <laughs> This is the one. I mean, as far as being memorable, this this is definitely this is one that I, I took me a while to be able to watch it, mm-hmm. and I was still I was still kind of like eh, ah, eh, kind of like you know kind of looking away a little bit because uh, I remember I guess I was probably about maybe twelve or thirteen when I watched this, and I was like, oh god, no, and just like looked away till it was over because you know anything happening to somebody's face, no matter you know how nice cheekbones they have just freaks me out mm-hmm. and but yeah so this is this is definitely a uh for a largely unmemorable character except for the fact that he's incredibly handsome it's a pretty spectacular over-the-top death
2: i agree so you know i had watched the entire movie just to get a sense of everything the first time and then i went back and rewatched their deaths for the to discuss on the podcast and I have to say that I was super creeped out by his death and, you know, just kind of jumped and made noises of like, an oh, oh God, no, like sense. And I did it both times, you know. I think I might have even watched it the third time. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I can't rewatch this one because this was legitimately disturbing and creepy. It was, I'm with you, it was definitely a good death.
0: It's the the closest that Friday the 13th comes to, Suspiria level oh no don't do that to a human body level horror. Everything else It's a a,
1: little it's a little Game of Thrones when that uh, that one character uh, basically gets his head torn apart.
0: It's pretty gross and then Sarah comes back in when she does not hear the dulcet tones of Doug emanating from the bathroom and discovers him face down into the broken glass. So we're again adding insult to injury. She freaks the fuck out Doug R.A.P.D. and bolts At least this time when the person bolts, unlike Paul, she knows for sure Doug isn't coming back. Like, Mm. you see that and he's not moving. His head is impaled on glass. Like, that's not a, oh, did you slip and fall situation. That's like, holy fuck, I need to get help. Whereas Paul just swims away from a stabbing victim like it's catching. And she heads down the stairs, gets to the front door. We find that it's locked. And then an explosion happens. And all of a sudden, there's an axe in her chest, square in her fucking chest. And just by guesstimating, Jason Voorhees has thrown an axe through a door into a person's chest. It, it, I mean, Hawkeye ain't got nothing on this motherfucker. Let me tell you that.
1: I, I know that the uh, the death scenes were were very heavily edited in the in the in the cut that made it to theaters. It actually took me a, a minute or two to figure out what happened to her. Yeah. It, it, I, at first I thought he, I thought he shot her. <laughs> like, where, where did he get a <laughs> shotgun from? Because, I mean, it, the, the, you're right. The door just explodes. It, it's entirely it, the built
0: in the editing bay because they shot it in pieces. They shot the exploding door and then you cut to the axe already in her chest. All of the action is implied via the movement of the camera. So I'll give Chuck Zito this. He knows how to make these death scenes super memorable. He doesn't know what to do with actors. Luckily, he casts some interesting people. But, oh, that is entirely built within the camera. And it it works. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but it works. We should put that on a fucking t-shirt because we say it every goddamn episode.
2: (laughs) I mean, there's like two hits in the door that, like, the axe has come through. So you see a little bit breaking through the door just a little bit. And then the axe was in her chest. And actually, the first time I watched it, I was really confused because I didn't realize that she saw Doug. I thought she saw Jason in the bathroom and was running away from him. So then I was really confused how the axe came through the door. But it goes along with your ninja theory that he could have, like, jumped out the bathroom window and came around to the front door to take her out but i am really glad that both of you also felt that this made absolutely no sense yet it was really jarring and disturbing because i kept thinking like am i am i missing something like am there seems to be some big part here i do not understand how this went through the door i do he's not understand he's a wizard
0: and he's apriating <laughs> that's what you're missing
1: yeah he's he's a he's apparently achieved the ability to teleport because he must he must walk right past the room that she's in when when she leaves the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's not then, like he's
0: heading out the window in the closed off bathroom that doesn't have a window.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we've all we've all seen how tiny bathroom windows are. So he must <laughs> just you know his six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound self in work boots must just you know glide right past her. You know, oh she has the hair dryer on that drowns out everything mm-hmm. and you know goes downstairs waits outside the door because he knows she's gonna come running down the stairs and try to go out the front door i mean because because he's also <laughs> he he also has the power of prescience
0: he, he knows everyone's uh sort of panic reaction i suppose yeah it's the uh, the sort of ying to the i know your fuck style yang he's um,
1: like oh, he's a feral backwoods sherlock holmes <laughs> <laughs> he's he's always one step he's always one clumsy giant filth covered footstep ahead of everybody
0: so who taught him how to do this like raccoons because that's the only animal i can know of that's this fucking sneaky so let's get down to everyone's favorite game show in these united of states at least for now it's choose-your-own-death-venture time. So, Amy, we're going to decide what way we would die if we had to die and one of the ways that we talked about in this particular film. So, mm. your choices are knife to the back of the head, a la Ted, face crushed in the shower, a la Doug, or axe to the chest, a la Sarah. Amy, you're our guest. You get to go first.
2: I'm going to go with Ted's death because I I definitely do not want Doug's death. And I don't want to watch somebody like squishing my face so that I die. I do kind of like the appeal of someone apparating and just throwing a axe at me. And I'm dead like immediately. But she had the fear that she was like running from there. And I think there's something about Ted's death where he just contemplates that he is the only person left. He is alone in his life. He will always be alone in his life, and I, that kind of resonates with me. And then, and then he dies, and I think, like, yeah, kind of contemplating my solitude on this earth and my own mortality, and then being inexplicably and, and unexpectedly murdered.
0: Okay, do understand that you will be found with a uh, spooled up porn film?
2: Um. Oh, I'm that. I'm fine with. That okay. part, I am totally fine with it. Because it's like, you know, it's it's like from like, what, the 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 20s or the 30s. It's classy porn in particular. <laughs> I'm good with classy porn.
0: <laughs> Everyone write this down. <laughs> A- Amy's good with classy porn. I'm good, All right, I'm good with
2: non-classy porn, too. But I, if I'm going to be found dead, I'm good with fu- being found dead with classy porn.
0: All right, All right Gina, uh, we're up to you. What say you?
1: I just wanna say real quick that this is probably our most philosophical episode so far. <laughs> I am I'm really loving this we're, going to some, we're, we're, getting, we're hitting some heavy shit here and I, I wow. I'm I for one support it in every way. Um that being said, for the op completely opposite reason that uh that Amy wanted to go out the way Ted did, I am going to pick Sarah. It seems relatively quick. You know, it, she was gone a second. I don't wanna just realize that I'm totally alone in the world and had that be the final <laughs> thought passing through my mind before I'm swiftly taken out. So yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go with Sarah.
0: Well, the two of you have something in common with the deaths that you've chosen and that is you never see it coming. So it's a surprise. I am going to go a completely different way. I think this is the first time we've all chosen different deaths. Ooh. I'm going with Doug because a I'm going to be found uh, without a shirt on. And that's the natural state that I (laughs) like to be in. So that appeals to me and to my nature. Um, Also, I feel like head crushing, while incredibly painful, would be over a lot faster than bleeding out with an axe in my chest. Or again, just like Deputy Winslow in part two, being stabbed in the back of the head is one of those things that looks grisly, but you don't really know that he's going to pass away all that fast. Like he could still be around for a while because it's not like it's a vital organ. So I don't know. That just, uh, there are too many unknowns there. Whereas I know that I'm dead once my head hits the broken glass and I'm just out. And then I just get to shower. Wash my all my troubles away.
1: <laughs> in, in addition to to uh, to being very philosophical, this might be the episode we we most often referenced Patrick's semi-nude body. <laughs> Maybe there's a connection there. I
0: don't know. <laughs> you would not be the first pair of women who found my <laughs> half-nude body to lead them to new philosophical realms and.
2: Personal
1: epiphanies? Yeah.
0: Seeking a higher form of consciousness to explain the universe? Sure.
1: Life-changing breakthroughs? Yeah. It's not
0: uncommon. Not as uncommon as you might think. all righty well that brings unfortunately to the end of yet another kill by kill podcast hey amy uh why don't you you plug us here what do you got going on where can people find you in the world
2: people can find me on the twitters at amy pop a-m-y-p-o-p and uh, my personal website is the amy pascal t-h-e-a-m-y-p-a-s-c-a-l-e and you can find out Ah, you can probably stalk me just about anywhere else. That'll shoot you off to everywhere and find out more about the Joss Whedon biography I wrote. And uh, there's our podcast, Ladies Love Paul Rudd, where we are feminine gazing the hell out of Paul Rudd in all of his roles. Which
3: No, I get it.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super excited to do. We've uh, we've just started and Gina is going to be a, is, is a guest on our Halloween episode, which is fantastic. So uh, yeah, check us out there.
0: Oh, I can't wait to listen. Oh, hey, uh, Gina, where can people find you on the Internet?
1: I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com.
0: That's right. People, check it out. Hey, do you want to talk to us? You know, there's a couple different ways to do it. One, on Twitter, at killbykillpod. Two, if you want to email us, it's killbykillpod at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, we would love for you to do it. You know what? there's a great way to add to this and that is to tell us about your favorite death in the Friday the 13th series in your review of the show if you do that we will read it on the air once we see it and record whatever the hell that is that's our guarantee to you for now uh who's to say where we will be in the future because well we all, we all know it's going to happen in a couple of weeks oh anyways <laughs> hey let's get the fuck off of that topic Uh, This has been the Kill Like Hell podcast, and I've been so happy to be with you. For myself, Patrick Hamilton, and for Gina, and our guest Amy Pascal, it's time to say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.